start off in a word of prayer. Father, I just want to pray for tonight, Lord, that you that you speak, Lord, and whatever that comes out of my mouth, Lord, tonight will be um, impactful, Lord, and people can take it on board and really apply it in their own lives, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so I've been telling, um, I told Dave a while ago that I wanted to take a message, and I knew what it was about as well, and I just had like the whole plan in my head, I just haven't like at the time written anything down. That's all right, you can do that. <laughs> and um, yeah, so today's the day where I get to do that, and I'm excited to share this with you guys. It's, it's not a long message, so pay attention to what I have to say, and I'm going to start off with a story, and it is soccer-related. I am so sorry. I apologize. But I can't help it. It's just in my blood, and it's a part of my life. Let's start. So, my dream since I was this big was to become a soccer player, and that was the only thing that ran in my head. It was all I ever wanted to be, and me and Daniel always had, like, crazy soccer tournaments in our bedroom, he goes to one side and I go to one side, pretend to be a goalkeeper and like a striker or whatever and we just kick it out together and that was one of the best stories I have in my childhood, I loved, I loved that. Anyway, and um, so my prayer since I've been little was, you know, Lord help me, this is what I want to do and just like lead me towards that because that's what I want to do. And um, so let's just track back to a year ago. Some of you guys know this story, but um, I'll just retell it. And so I had trials at a, at a sports school and um, at a soccer club as well. That, that was pretty good. And um, at the sports school, they're like, nah, mate, go home. I'm like, all right, no worries. So I'm like, oh, I still got the soccer club. No worries. So I go to the soccer club. They had five trials. Um, I went to the fifth one and they're like, nah, mate, go home. No, I'm like... Alrighty, well, this sucks. And I went home and I'm like, this is so bad. And I'm, I was so upset. And during the time where I sat down I'm with God, I'm like, I don't understand. You know, I've been praying about this since I can't even remember when. And, like, this is your answer to me. Why? This was my dream and you can't just crush it like that. So a year passed from that. And this year, I'm like, you know what? Let's go trials again. So... <laughs> I went to the sports school this year, and they um, said the exact same thing. And, but it was different. This time, when I was actually in the trial, something in me changed. It's like, I can't describe it, honestly. You have to feel it for yourself. But I felt like, during that time, God was telling me something, and um, it just stuck with me that it might not be football that he wants me to do. Soccer, whatever. Um, yeah, like during the trials I said, I became a different person and it was a real eye-opener and like it was a new realisation for me to see that you don't have to just have one thing, you know, God can change your path no matter what. And, um, you know, he said no last year and this year he also says no. He closed the door last year and the door is still shut. And this opened my eyes and sometimes... God will say no, you just have to say yes and accept what he said. And you know, was it hard for me? Obviously it was hard, it took such a long time for me to accept this, but it was when I accepted it and I spent time with God that I felt that sense of peace inside me and I felt relaxed about the whole situation. I'm like, 
you know what, whatever happens, happens. It's in, in his hands now. Um, you just got to learn to trust him. And the first verse that I want to share is from Isaiah 55, 8-9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, as I read this verse, it's, it's pretty straightforward, and what it says is, like, you can really understand what it says, but sometimes we ignore what God has to tell us, and we put Him aside, and we just put Him in a box. And, um, you know, we, we say, I, I'll need you when I need you, and we just put Him aside and just leave Him there. And we only come to Him when we need something from Him, or we feel like, we need something extra in our lives. And a relationship isn't supposed to be like that. It's a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. And us, as people who come here, we call ourselves Christian. It's not like we haven't heard people tell us, you know, trust in God. This is the same God that made you and knows the amount of hairs you have on your head. He doesn't think like us. He's different. He's, a, he's our God. It's like... Think, who knows The Sims? Does anyone know Sims, the game? Yeah? Think of that. And you get to control everything that happens. Um, the only difference between real life and Sims is there's free will. And in Sims, you don't really get to do that. You just you make them do what you want. And as I said, his ways are higher than our ways. And the next verse I'd like to share is from John 13, verse 7. It's um, when Jesus, Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. And it says, Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Let's take this verse out of context of what was actually happening during the time. Yeah, he was washing his disciples' feet, but let's just put it back in my situation of what was happening to me. And as you're following along in what I'm saying, just what I'm saying, try to apply it into your lives and think of your own individual situations. And we can relate this verse to a lot of things in our life. And... I didn't see what God had in store for me. And, you know, maybe I still don't know what's in store for me. But be obedient to what God has to say. And the rest will just follow. Sometimes we deny God's plans for our lives. We cut Him out even when He tries to get back at us. You know, we can't say we want to follow God's plan and just shut our ears and shut our eyes from what He has to say to us. We always want to do what satisfies and pleases us. You know, which makes sense. We want more what makes us happy. But the thing we don't understand is how much God's plan is better for our lives. And sometimes not even until you reach that intended place that He wants you to be in. It sounds easy the way I'm saying it, but honestly, it takes time and it's difficult. You need patience for this. And we all have plans for our lives. You know, they, may be not, they may not be formally written down, but we all want a good family, nice house, a well-paying job, a nice car, to travel the world. And we all desire and want these things because we feel like we're going to waste our lives. We're going to have like a lifetime wasted on crap, basically. But in reality, sometimes God will stuff up your plans and your dreams. And that's a good thing. And the first example we see that in is in Joseph's life. And Joseph's father, Jacob, he had 12 sons, and he had a favorite son, Joseph, which for me is pretty weird. Like, I don't think you should have favorites as kids, because that's just... Anyway. <laughs> um, 
Joseph's life started on a high and it just kept getting worse, worse and worse. It started off with his brothers throwing him in, into the dry well and then they sold him into slavery. And then the wife of Potiphar tries to seduce Joseph but then he refuses and he gets thrown into prison because of his actions. Joseph spent years in prison and after waiting to be released, God released him to be second in command over Egypt. And that was when his life was on a high again. Sometimes we are at this place where we are you know, sitting on the fence and we haven't really chosen a side and God will just push us to one side because he wants us to be in a place of decisions where we make our own decisions. And he wants us to be in this place where we say, yes, Lord, it's you and me now and that's it. There's no stopping us. And that fence can represent you and that fence can represent the pit that Joseph was in. It's a place of decisions, to let go of the past and move on. You know, there was no more coat for Joseph, that colourful coat. We didn't hear about that ever again after this. And also, um, his father, he was distant from his father. That, um, the one, he put him first in front of his brothers and, it, and all else. I think if Joseph stayed at home, he would have been pretty spoiled. And um, being with Potiphar actually made him learn new skills and things, you know, he may have not seen these things that are good for him now, but they, bene- they benefited him in the long run, into his leadership and whatnot. And being in prison was, it wasn't the end of the world for Joseph. God still used him into that prison. You know, regardless of your circumstances and the wrong decisions you've made in your own individual lives, God can use you no matter what. It's not like, you know, I've picked a wrong career path, I've done this in my school and it led me down the wrong path God will still use you no matter what you know maybe yes you've stuffed up and it was the wrong thing to do but that doesn't mean God's going to give up on you and stop he'll use you no matter where you are he used a man in prison and when all of this was finished when he saw his brothers again after years this is what he said to them in Genesis 50 19 to 20 but Joseph said to them do not be afraid Mind the place of God, you intend to harm me, but God intended it for the good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. We need to realize that God is so much bigger and better than us and has massive amounts of love for us. And you know what, sometimes faith means taking risks. And us as Christians, a lot of the time, we want the easy way. We think we know what's best and we try to use our own logic to, to get answers. But that's not the case. God doesn't promise an easy life for us. Our life is not supposed to be easy. His path is narrow and requires risks. But there's a difference between faith and trust. You know, sometimes we hear God's word and say, Yes, Lord, I understand what you are saying, but look what I'm going through right now. We all need that faith and trust. Having faith means relying on God, and having trust is just an everything, is just an everyday thing that you do with Him. It's just a daily thing. You, know, you have faith that he's God and you'll trust in his plans no matter what it may be. People say God's plan is better, but I tell you, God's plan is perfect. And um, I want to tell you another story, but don't worry, it's not about soccer, so you can relax. Um, last week my brother was going to Phillip Island to shoot this project for uni that he had to do. And... Um, He's like, Dave, do you want to come? And I'm like, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> and then um, 
I eventually decided to go with him. I think I was just bored that day, so I'm like, all right, I'll go. And you know how you're driving along Phillip Island, you can see like the, the cool houses on one side and then you've got the beach on the other side and it's just a nice thing to look at. And while we're driving, for me, I always decide, I'm like, yeah, that's a sick house and that's a crab house. I want to live there, I don't want to live there. And usually I just love looking at those things, but I managed to sleep for the whole ride because I just did not care at all. And um, when we arrived, I hopped out of the car and I'm like, oh yeah, this looks cool. But like, I wasn't that excited about it. Then Daniel was like, oh, we're not there yet. And I'm like, okay. So we had to walk along um, the beach for a bit and then up this mountain. It was like a 30 minute thing. And then once we got there, it was like, boom, it was right in front of me. I'm like, this is sick. And Dave, if you could just pull up the, the pictures. It looks, um, it looks so much better than this, but like, Pictures only show a small amount of what it actually looked like. And I wish for all of you to be there because it really was sick. There's just ocean around you everywhere and it was so high and it was just mad. <coughs> and um, I, wrote this, I wrote this part when I was up there, when I was, um, when I was going up and when I got up to the very top, I felt like God was telling me to, to write this down. And this is what I wrote. And your plan may seem amazing, but if you give God's plan time, it's perfect. You know, you may not see that at the moment, but, it, but it's real. At the start, when I arrived, I could see the waves and I could hear the birds and that could represent your plan that you have now for yourself. But as you went up, it got quieter and quieter until it got pretty much silent. And... For us, you know, you get to this place where you're inside God's intended plan for your life, but you can't see any difference. You can't see God's hand in any of this. And it's sometimes, like your walk with God, it gets quiet, and you start questioning everything. But it's not until you reach that top of that mountain that you can see everything clearly you're surrounded by and really how beautiful it is. And that's when you realize that build up, what that build-up was actually for. And I believe God doesn't want us to have plain, boring lives with, you know, nothing to do or whatever. But he wants us to look back at our lives and be like, well, my life really had meaning and it was significant. God calls us into his plan, but our first reaction is like, no, I don't want your plan. And we start running away. And, you know, this, we can see this in the story of Jonah where um, he tries to outrun God, but, you know, he eventually realizes that he can't do that. He ran as far as he could, but he couldn't. He couldn't get anywhere really. And when he was swallowed by that whale, that wasn't a punishment. That was just to bring him back. You know, it made him better, as we see later on. And some of you may be inside of that fish right now, and we're saying, "Well, where are you, God? I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, but..." I know that he's leading you to a place of obedience. you just got to accept that. And in Jonah 2, verse 10, and Jonah 3, 1 to 2, it says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And Jonah 3 says, um, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to the message I give you. It takes Jonah the whole of chapter 1 and chapter 2, where he's just running away from God. And I just want you to imagine yourself right now. 
And how many chapters would it have taken you um, for you to just be running away from God? I know in my own life, I would have had so many chapters where I'm ignoring God and just um, not listening to what he has to say. It took Jonah two chapters. And imagine if you said yes to God during those times. Those chapters in your life where you, you wanted your plan and you put it ahead of God's plan. If you just said yes to God, imagine the strength of that relationship. Imagine how much better it would have been and the obedience you would have had for him. At the beginning of chapter 3 it says God's word came to Jonah a second time. You see, God always allows us to have second chances. And it's not just second chances, it goes on and on and it doesn't stop. You can't mess enough, you can't mess enough, enough for God to just give up on you. That, that's not a thing. And in verse 3 it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city, it took three days to go through it. As we can see here, repentance leads to obedience. You know, Jonah didn't discuss it with God this time, he just went. And let's look at this example. Say um, there's a teacher at school and she something happens between you and a friend and you're like, um, she's, she comes up to you or he comes up to you and he's like, go apologize to the student. And you're like, what do you mean? I haven't done anything wrong here. Why, why are you telling me to do this? And then... Um, you eventually decide, you're like, alright, whatever, I just want this to finish. So you go up to that friend of yours and you're like, um, I'm sorry, but you don't really care, you don't really mean it, you know, you have the wrong heart about it. But when you take that step of obedience, your heart will follow. And God says, do it, and your heart will just follow and be transformed into that. And some of us here, we want to do what God wants us wants for our lives, but... We're like, you know, my heart is, isn't in the right place right now. I'll do it later. I, I just think that that's an excuse. And, you know, as we see here, just do it with the wrong heart. I mean, yeah, do it with the wrong heart and the rest will follow. And in Jonah 3, from verses 4 to 10, it says, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from the throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and the nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered in sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently to God. Let them give up their evil ways and violence. Who knows? God may relent and have compassion. Um, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. And after I read this, I'm like, well, this is interesting. Like, what a reaction from, from the people. And it was such a simple, simple message from Jonah and it was with the wrong heart as well. I think when Jonah was saying it, he's like, turn from your evil ways or you'll have destruction. Like, I don't think he cared. His heart wasn't in the right place. But as God tells us, just do it. And he calls us to that place of obedience where you just do it. And his plan will follow along. Our words don't change people. It's through God's power that that takes place. 
You know, he takes broken, messed up people like me and you and turns their life around and it's through his power. You know, even if you're stuffed up in your life, that doesn't matter. God will pull you back. You just got to grab hold of him. And we, us as Christians, we're always looking at what's happening now, but God doesn't look at that. He looks at the future. And as I'm with Egyptian people, they're always like, uh, they say God is like Sir El Hayat, which means He's a secret to our lives. And when I heard that, I'm like, you know, that is so true. God really is a secret to our lives. He's what the rest of this world is missing. Like, we possess a secret to humanity, basically. And you just need that obedience, and you need to do what He tells you to do. For me, when I'm close to God, I feel this sense of peace, and I, something just feels right about it. My life isn't perfect, but I have a relationship with Him. You can either be with God or do what Jonah did and just resist Him. But as we saw, that didn't end up going too well for Jonah. In Matthew 9, verse 36, it says, When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And when God sees us, he sees broken, empty people. But God is that saviour and he is that shepherd. And if one sheep goes astray, God will not stop until that sheep is back with him. Those sheep are us, by the way. And God wants us to feel that compassion to, towards other people and the rest of humanity. And I, um, I read this thing and it was really cool. And it said, Christianity is one beggar telling other beggars where to find bread. First time I read that, I was in love with that. And it shows that you know, God is patient. We, we just need to, pe- to be people who share him. We need to have this heart for mankind. And the least we can do is just love the people around us. You know, I'm not telling you to go proclaim his name on top of a city to thousands of people. It doesn't need to be as drastic as that, yeah? But the least, well, actually that would be awesome if you could do that. But, I mean, it does not have to be that crazy. Simple things by just showing love and reflecting the compassion that God has towards us to other people around us. And in summary, I just want to summarize um, what I've said in like the main points. God will close doors to open new ones. He knows what's best even if we don't see it. That's patience. And say yes and your heart will follow. That's obedience. And those are the three main things. And you know what? I haven't said what God, God's plan for your life is. I don't know what that is. But it's a journey. It's a process that takes time. And you just got to find that for yourself by having that obedience and trust in Him and just by saying yes. Saying yes to God is what's going to lead you to the right place. Let's just pray. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for what, what we just heard, Lord. It's, um, you don't promise an easy life, Lord, and your, your way is narrow and small, Lord, and not many people will go through it, Lord, but we pray, Lord, that we can just take that path, Lord, and, and don't take the easy way, Lord, but to trust in your plan, to have obedience, Lord, for what you have to say for us, and to really do something about it, not to just stand still, Lord. Um, just want to thank you, Lord, and we commit the rest of the meeting in your hands, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.